Let's pray together. Psalm 24 says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Lord, we declare today with our voices and with our hearts and with our actions that you are the King of glory in our lives and in this world. God, from the past, from the present, and to the future, may your will be done. We surrender to you. We submit to you. You are our King. You are our Lord. And we lay down all of our rights, all of our worries, all of our sins. We lay them at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer dead and slaves to our sins, but we are alive in Christ. And sin has no power over us, and death has no power over us anymore. So God, the greatest joy that we have right now is to trust in you, is to have a relationship with you. So with that joy, we have eager ears, we have open hearts, and may the words, these message, the message that you have in store for us today, may it soak up in our hearts, God. May it sprinkle down into our hearts, oh God, so that our lives can be transformed and be changed and to be renewed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, right now that you take full control of this service. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. I just want to give you guys a warning right now. The message is going to be very scripture heavy. It's going to be a sermon, but at the same time, very Bible study based. So I just want to encourage you to pay attention. Don't slip up, don't get lost, because once you get lost, it's very hard to get back on the wagon. And it's kind of like this. I remember back when I was young in elementary, when I first came to the States, I was at ShopRite. And that's when Lion King was very big. And I never saw the VHS then. They had VHS back then, not DVD. And I got the book. It was in color. And I remember I was reading through. I didn't know English at that time. And I was reading. Just Simba and Mufasa, they look alike. So in one section, Mufasa is dead. And all of a sudden, Mufasa is back alive. And I didn't understand what it meant. So don't get lost today, but pay attention. Uh, let's focus today and let's make sure that we stay on board and we stay on the train so that we can stay on top of each and every single one of the characters here that's mentioned here in the story that we're going to be reading today. Let's start with our title. We're in our Authentic Christian Christianity series and it's called David Amnar Ish Bosheth and the Three Sons of Zeruiah. Civil War. Oh, what a tangled web 
we weave. David, Amner, Ishbosheth, and the three sons of Zeruiah, civil war, a water tangle web, we weave. It's the longest title we've had so far. The context here is this. We know if you've been following this series with us. Before Israel became one nation under David, again, he is the king, but he is only a part king. He is the king of Judah, not the king of Israel. So before Israel becomes one nation under King David, there is a civil war between the house of David versus the house of Saul. But you would say, why? But Saul is dead. Why would there be a fight? Why would there be a civil war? Again, Saul still has a son named Ish-bosheth, and people under who follow Saul, people who are loyal to Saul, and they are not accepting that David, King David, is the rightful new future king of all of Israel. So David, he is the king of Judah. Ishbosheth is the king of Israel. And he is Saul's son. He is the brother of Jonathan because Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Now, it's King David versus Ish-bosheth. Just keep that in mind. King David on the side of Judah and Saul, Ish-bosheth, on the side of Israel. Let us now go over these characters and become familiar with these characters because knowing these characters is going to help us understand, will help us for the future to better understand the full story of David versus Saul. So let's begin with who was David. We know that David, he is the shepherd boy, called by God, becomes the king. Right now, at this very moment though, he is not the full king of Israel, but he is only a part king of Judah. So you could say the king of Judah. Who was David? The king of Judah. Next, who was Abner? As is mentioned in the title, who is Abner? He is the commander of Saul's army. So him and Ishbosheth, they work together. He is the commander of Saul's army. So he is David's, King David's enemy. So who was Abner? The commander of Saul's army. Who was Ishbosheth? As I mentioned earlier, he is the son of Saul and the older brother of Jonathan. And he is a puppet king of Israel. And the Bible tells us he only rules Israel for only two years. Two years and two years, and that's it. So, who was Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and the older brother of Jonathan? A puppet king, not a real king. King David is a true and the rightful king. So, you can imagine Ishbosheth as scar. So, think of Ishbosheth as Scar. King David is Simba, okay? Just to make it easier for you. Next question. And the last question before we get into our 
the meaning of what a tangled web we weave and we get to our scripture reading. The last question is, who were the three sons of Zeruiah? Who were the three sons of Zeruiah? This is very easy. Zeruiah is King David's sister. Is David's sister. So these three sons are David's nephews. What are their names? Their names are Abishai, who is the oldest, the young, Joab, he is the middle, the awkward middle child, and Asahel is the youngest. But our focus here will be Joab and Asahel. Think of it like this, like Neil, Daniel, and Arlene, right? Arlene, the middle child. We're going to focus on Arlene and Daniel, Joab and Asahel. The strongest out of these three brothers, I'll just tell you now, is Joab, the middle child. The middle child is the strongest and the scariest. Even David, even King David has a hard time controlling this young man. Again, they are David's nephews, sister, children, Zeruiah. So these men were David's nephews. And let's go over the meaning of all what a tangled web we weave. This means that when we lie and we create problems, problems become greater like a domino effect. One event leading up to another event, a nuclear chain of events eventually spiraling out of control. And this is what's going to happen here and what we're going to be learning here today. This situation is going to go out of control. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. And now, let's learn the story of David, Abner, Ishbosheth, and the three sons of Zeruiah. Civil War. Are you guys ready? Okay, you're with me so far? Okay, good. All right. Giving you a warning right now. It's a lot of reading. But stay with me, okay? Stay with me because this is going to help us in the future because these names are going to come up again in the future. I was debating whether I was going to skip this message and I do it on Thursday scripture study. Maybe that's better. But I was praying, praying, and this is the best option. I think we should all go over it together as a message and it's going to help us understand for the future of our messages. So again, let's begin with 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 through 32. Again, I'm going to begin with 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 through 32. It says, the title, War Between the Houses of David and Saul. Starting with verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, Abner, son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army 
he taken Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. He made him king over Gilead. Again, Abner is the commander of Saul's army. He made Ishbosheth the king. Just keep that in mind. So who is truly in control? Abner is in control. Ishbosheth, like I said, he is only a puppet king. Ashuri and Jezreel and also over Ephraim, Benjamin, and all Israel. These are all places of Israel. So it's pretty much saying David is only in control of Judah. He is the king of Judah, the tribe of Judah. And then the remaining Israel, the remaining Israelites, Ashuri, Jezreel, these are locations, Ephraim, Benjamin, that's the tribe. All Israel, they all are loyal to Saul at this very moment. They're loyal to Ishbosheth, the son, and Abner, the commander. He is in control. It says in verse 9, he made him. Who? Abner made Ishbosheth king over Gilead. Okay, let's continue on. Verse 10. Ishbosheth, again, he is the enemy of David. Ishbosheth, son of Saul, was 40 years old when he became king over Israel. And he reigned two years. The tribe of Judah, however, remained loyal to David. The length of time David was king and Hebron over Judah was seven years and six months. Amner, son of Ner, together with the men of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, left Mahanaim and went to Gibeon. Joab, son of Zeruiah, and David's men went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. One group sat down on one side of the pool and one group on the other side. So right now, they're having a duel. They're about to fight. So who is on each side? Abner and Ishbosheth, they're on one side. They're David's enemy. And who is on the other side? Joab. Remember who, who, who was Joab? Arlene, the middle child, the strongest of them all. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, says, and David's men, they were on the other side. So they're about to have a duel or fight, just like the movie Captain America. Iron Man on this side, Captain America on one side, they're about to have a duel. They're about to have a fight. Keep that in mind. Ishbosheth is the king of Israel, the enemy of David. Ishbosheth and Abner is the commander. But commander, he is older, and he put Ishbosheth as the king, so he is actually in charge. So Ishbosheth, Abner versus Joab, the middle child, the nephew of David, and David's man, they're about to fight. And actually, the Bible tells us all the sons were there. The three sons of Zeruiah, they were on one side as well. So let's continue. Verse 14. Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have some of the young men get up and fight hand to hand in front of us. All right? Let them do it, Joab said. The reason why they will go about this way is because they're trying to save bloodshed. If they go ahead and have one-on-one -on -one duel, and if one warrior wins, then that army wins. So instead of having everyone fight, it says, let's have the some young men get up and fight hand-to-hand -hand in front of us. And Joab, he agrees. Verse 15, so they stood up and were counted off. Twelve men for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve for 
David. Again, 24 total, 12 verse 12. Then each man grabbed his opponent by the head and thrust his dagger into his opponent's side, and they fell down together. So that place in Gibeon was called Halkath Hazurim. The battle that day was very fierce, and Abner and the Israelites were defeated by David's men. The three sons of Zuriah were there, we mentioned earlier. These are the nephews of David, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Now Asahel, he was the youngest of them all. Again, Joab is the middle, Abishai is the oldest, Asahel is the youngest. Asahel was as fleet-footed. If you read it fast, you may think flat-footed. But he was very fast. Fleet-footed means he was very fast as a wild gazelle. Verse 19, he chased Abner, turning neither to the right nor to the left as he pursued him. Again, 12 verses 12, who wins? David. David's side wins. Joab wins. The three brothers, they win. Joab, Abishai, Aseher, they win. So Abner... He is part of Ishbosheth, the enemy of David. They lost. So they're like, what do we do? So they run. They're running away. So Amner is running and running and running. But Asahel, he is fleet footed as a wild gazelle, it says the Bible tells us, meaning he was very fast. So he's literally like Naruto, just chasing the guy. He's running, wherever he's going, he's just chasing him. He's literally inches away, just chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. Abner's running away, and Esaheh is chasing him. In verse 19, he chased Abner, turning neither to the right nor to the left as he pursued him. Abner looked behind him and asked, Is that you, Asahel? It is, he answered. Then Abner said to him, Turn aside to the right or to the left. Take on one of the young men and strip him of his weapons. But Asahel would not stop chasing him. To put this in perspective, these are all brothers. They're all Israelites. They're all the same people. It's kind of like if this side of the church versus this side of the church. They don't want to fight each other. Amner does not want to kill Asahel because really, they're brothers. They're from the same people. Again, Amner warned Asahel, verse 22, Stop chasing me. Why should I strike you down? How could I look your brother Joab? Remember, Joab is a crazy guy, the middle child, Arlene. Joab in the face because he knows how crazy Joab is. He knows how strong Joab is. Go away. I don't want to hurt you. But verse 23 says, But Asahel refused to give up the pursuit. So Amner, I mean, what do you do when someone is about to kill you? Self-defense. You have no choice but to kill. So Amner thrust the butt of his spear into Asahel's stomach, the youngest. And the spear came out through his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And every man stopped when he came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died. This is a very graphic situation and very detailed, the Bible teaches us. 
It says he took the thrust butt of his spear, Abner, into Asahel's stomach, and the spear came out through the back where Asahel died instantly. It says he had fallen and died. Verse 24, But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. Joab, the middle child, the crazy strong one, and Abishai, the oldest brother, Neil, but not really significant here. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. Of course, they just killed their brother. And as the sun was setting, they came to the hill of Ammah near Gia on the way to the wasteland of Gibeon. Then the men of Benjamin rallied behind Abner. Saul is from the what? The tribe of Benjamin. So the people of Benjamin, of course, they're going to side with Ishbosheth and Abner. Then the men of Benjamin rallied behind Abner. They formed themselves into a group and took their stand on top of a hill. Abner, verse 26, called out to Joab, Must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize that this will end in bitterness? How long before you order your men to stop pursuing their fellow Israelites? He's saying, we're fellow Israelites. We're from the same people. Verse 27, Joab answered, As surely as God lives, if he had not spoken, the men would have continued pursuing them until morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the troops came to a halt. They no longer pursued Israel, nor did they fight anymore. All that night, Amner and his men marched through the Arabah. They crossed the Jordan, continued through the morning hours, and came to Mahanaim. Joab is filled with vengeance, with revenge. I'm sorry, Dan, you're dead. The youngest died. Asahel died here. He got killed by Amner. And Joab, he is filled with bloodthirst vengeance to kill Amner. Verse 30, then Joab stopped pursuing Amner and assembled the whole army besides Asahel. Nineteen of David's men were found missing. But David's men had killed 300 and sixty Benjamites who were with Amner. They took Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb at Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men marched all night and arrived at Hebron by daybreak. Again, a civil war is happening. David kills David's men. They kill 360 men of Ishbosheth's, meaning they won and they got crushed. Are you with me so far? Are you understanding so far? Okay, good. Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Let's continue on. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Let's skip to verse 6 now. We're still on chapter 3, and the title says, Abner 
goes over to David. Verse 6. During the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner had been strengthening his own position in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine named Rizpah, daughter of Aiyah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? There's a lot happening here. We can see the selfish motive of Abner. Abner wants to take control. Again, Ishbosheth is the king, but it says he is strengthening his, his own position in the house of Saul. Maybe he was trying to take over this region. He was trying to overtake Ishbosheth. And for him to sleep with Rizpah, the daughter of Aiyah, which was the concubine of Saul, if you were to sleep with any one of the king's concubine, it means you're about to take claim of the throne. So therefore, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, he tells Abner, he asks Abner, why did you sleep with my father's concubine? And he did, by the way. He's lying here. Verse 8, Abner was very angry because of what Ishbosheth said. So he answered, Am I a dog's head on Judah's side? This very day I am loyal to the house of your father Saul and to his family and friends. I haven't handed you over to David. Yet now you accuse me of an offense involving this woman? May God deal with Abner, be it ever so severely. If I do not do for David what the Lord promised him on oath, and transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and establish David's throne over Israel and Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth did not dare to say another word to Abner because he was afraid of him. Verse 12 Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to say to David, Whose land is it? Make an agreement with me and I'll help you bring all Israel over to you. So pretty much Abner was like, silence, Ishbosheth, don't talk. I'm in charge. You're lucky I didn't hand you over to David. Be quiet. And then he makes a ploy, a plan to hand over the nation of Israel to King David. So Abner, he's about to switch sides. Now he realizes how weak Ishbosheth is, and he's going to. And also he was angry that he was accused by this little king, Ishbosheth, and because of his pride, he makes up his mind. In his mind, he says, I'm going to go over to David and hand over this nation to David. Verse 14 Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, son of Saul, demanding, Give me my wife, Michael, whom I betrothed to myself for the price of a hundred Philistine foreskin. So Ishbosheth gave orders. And had her taken away from her husband, Patio, son of Laish. Her husband, however, went with her, weeping behind all the way to Barim. Then Abner said to him, go back home. So he went back. So Abner is also a scary guy, right? He's in charge. Joab is the crazy one in David's side. And Abner is the crazy one on Saul's side, under Ishbosheth. Verse 17, Abner conferred with the elders of Israel and said, For some time you have wanted to make David your king. Now do it, for the Lord promised David 
By my servant David, I will rescue my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. So he's realizing that it's better for David to be the king, the true king of Israel. Abner also spoke to the Benjamites in person. Then he went to Hebron to tell David everything that Israel and the whole tribe of Benjamin wanted to do. When Abner, who had 20 men with him, came to David at Hebron, David prepared a feast for him and his men. Then Abner said to David, Let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my lord, the king, so that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. So verse 19 to verse 21 here is a peace treaty. So whenever you have a meal, and whenever you have a feast together, it symbolizes peace. You do not have meal amongst enemies. So verse 19 to 21 is between David and Abner. Keep in mind, Ishbosheth is not even here. Abner, who is the commander of Saul's army, they go ahead and make a peace deal. Joab, he has no idea what's going on. The crazy one, Arlene, the crazy one. So it says, verse 22, the title says, Joab murders Abner. Verse 22, just then, David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Amnar was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. David, he doesn't like violence. If he wants to do it peacefully, he'll do it peacefully. So he sent Amnar away because they made an agreement that he will bring the enemy, the army of Israel, and will unite and David will become the king. Verse 23, when Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner, son of Ner, had come to the king and that the king had sent him away and that he had gone in peace. So Joab, in his anger, went to the king. What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he has gone. You know, Abner, son of Ner, he came to deceive you and observe your movements and find out everything you are doing. He's pretty much saying, he also killed my brother Asahel. How dare you let him leave, right? Verse 26, Joab then left David and sent messengers after Amnon. And they brought him back from the cistern at Sarah. But David did not know it. Now when Amnon returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into an inner chamber as if to speak with him privately. And there, to avenge the blood of his brother Asahel, Joab stabbed him in the stomach, and he died. Later, verse 28, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Nel. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and on his whole family. May Joab's family never be without someone who has a running sore or leprosy or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Verse 30, Joab and his brother Abishai murder Abner. So Joab 
and Abishai, they murdered Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and all the people with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and walk in mourning in front of Abner. King David himself walked behind the bear. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king wept aloud at Abner's tomb. All the people wept also. The king sang this lament for Abner. Should Abner have died as a lawless die? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. You fell as one falls before the wicked, and all the people wept over him again. Verse 35, then they all came up and urged David to eat something while it was still day. But David took an oath, saying, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I taste bread or anything else before the sun sets. All the people took note and were pleased. Indeed, everything the king did pleased them. So on that day, all the people there and all Israel knew that the king had no part in the murder of Abner, son of Ner. Then the king said to his men, Do you not realize that a commander and a great man has fallen in Israel this day? And today, though I am the anointed king, I am weak. And these sons of Zariah, meaning his nephews, they are too strong for me. They're not listening to him. They're too strong for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil deeds. Amen. You with me so far? Yes, we have one more section, and it's very short. And now the focus is back on Ish-bosheth. Again, Abner is dead. What happened to Ish-bosheth? It says in chapter 4, verse 1, the title says, Ish-bosheth, murder. Verse 1, when Ish-bosheth, son of Saul, heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost courage, and all Israel became alarmed. Why? Because Abner was the true commander of Israel, not Ishbosheth. He's just a puppet king. So everyone's afraid. Everyone lost courage. Verse 2, now Saul's son had two men who were leaders of raiding bands. One was named Bana and the other Rechab. They were sons of Ramon, the Birothite from the tribe of Benjamin. Beroth is considered part of Benjamin because the people of Beroth fled to Gitaim and have resided there as foreigners to this day. Verse 4, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but she hurried to leave. He fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. We talked about Mephibosheth. He's found in 2 Samuel chapter 9 later, verse 1 through 13. This is where David, he goes ahead and takes care of anyone related to Saul for the sake of his brother Jonathan because he loved Jonathan. So that's where the reference comes from. Okay, verse 5. Now, Rechab and Bana, the son of Ramon, the Birothite, 
set out for the house of Ish-bosheth. And they arrived there in the heat of the day while he was taking his noonday rest. They went into the inner part of the house as if to get some wheat as they stabbed them in the stomach. Then Rechab and his brother, but not slipped away. Verse 7, they had gone into the house while he was lying on the bed in his bedroom. After they stabbed and killed him, they cut off his head, taking it with them. They traveled all night by way of the Oraba. They brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, your enemy who tried to kill you. This day the Lord has avenged my Lord, the king, against Saul and his offspring. Verse 9, everything backfires of what Rechab and Banah wanted to do. David answered, Rechab and his brother Banah, the sons of Ramon, the Berothite, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, when someone told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death in Ziklag. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house and on his own bed, should I not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? So David gave an order to his men, and they killed them. They cut off their hands and feet and hung the bodies by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in Abner's tomb at Hebron. And that was the final end of the civil war between the house of David versus the house of Saul. So again, Ishbosheth, the puppet king, versus the real king, the true king, King David. So going back to that chart, we see Banah and Rechab, they're both traitors. And therefore, the consequence, their end, was that their hands were cut off, their feet were cut off, hung by the pool, and they became beheaded. And that is how the story ends. And then if you see next week, in chapter 5, David becomes the full king, the full rightful king, just like the ending of the Lion King, where Simba is standing by the rock, the pride rock, and he roars, right? That's where chapter 5 begins. Second Samuel chapter 5, which we'll go over next week. But the civil war ends in chapter 4, here in verse 12. So quickly, let's go over these individuals just real quick. Let's go to King David. So again, King David is who? Right now, he is the king of Judah only, not the king of all the tribes yet. In chapter 5, yes, after the civil war, yes, he becomes the king of all Israel. But right now, he is the king of Judah only. It says, David became stronger. Second sandwich of the 3 verse 1, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker and 
weaker. And this tells us that when God is with you, when God is on your side, even though you may seem like you're losing the battle, you're getting stronger and stronger because the Lord is with us. So subtitle for this is letter A, he is a good king, and letter B, he is a just king. When wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house, in his own bed, should I not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? So we learn that King David, he is a good king, and he is a just king. King Ish-bosheth. King Ish-bosheth. King Ish means what? Whenever we add Ish, it means what? Uh, Strong-ish, not really strong, right? So King Ish, but his name is Ish, so I just made that up. Okay, you guys don't get it. King Ish-bosheth. So he's not really the king, right? He's a fake king. So King Ish-bosheth. So point A, he's the son of Saul. Okay, we know that. I went over that many times in this message. He is a puppet king under Abner. Abner is the true commander of Saul's army. Letter B, he is the older brother of Jonathan. And letter C, the rival, quote-unquote, king of King David. He is Scar in Lion King, not the true king. A wannabe king. Lowercase k, king. So kingish Bosheth. Next, Abner. We learned that Abner was the commander of Saul's army. He was the one that put Ishbosheth in power. So point B, the bitter rival of Joab. The bitter rival of Joab. Abner kills Asahel, the younger brother of Joab and Abishai. And he becomes a bitter rival of Joab. And Joab, in turn, Joab and Abishai, they go ahead and they kill Abner by stabbing him in the stomach. Again, Joab, the middle son of Zeruiah. Remember the title, the sermon title, The Three Sons of Zeruiah. He is the middle child, the middle son. And let us see the killer of Asahel. In his defense, it was in self-defense, right? He told him, go away. Look, don't make me kill you. Your brother Joab is crazy. Go away. But he was just chasing him like Naruto. Just not letting him go. He kept chasing him, and therefore, the end butt of the spear went through his stomach, through the back, and he died. So Asahel is like the flesh, right? He's just very fast. It's a Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 23. But Asahel refused to give up the pursuit. So Abner thrust the butt of his spear into Asahel's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And every man stopped when he came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died. Next, the three sons of Zeruiah. We know this, and you should be an expert by now. What are their names? Abishai, the oldest. Joab, the middle. Asahel, 
youngest, the one who died. Sorry, Daniel, the one who is dead. They're the sons of Zuriah, sister of David, which makes them the nephew of King David, which makes them family. Abishai, the oldest child of Zuriah, King David's nephew, extremely loyal to King David and kills Abner. Joab, the middle child of Zuriah, King David's nephew, the wild card warrior, the gung-ho warrior, extremely strong, extremely stubborn, extremely hot-headed, extremely loyal to King David, and kills Abner. Asahel, the youngest child of Zuriah, King David's nephew, extremely fast, again, it says fleet-footed, as a wild gazelle, it says super fast, extremely stubborn, extremely persistent in a bad way. Guys, persistency is good, but there are some persistency is not good. It's going to bring you harm. And here in this case, it cost him his life. And he was killed by Abner. Abner warned him, stop chasing me. But he went ahead and therefore he was murdered. Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 18 to 19. The three sons of Zuriah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Now Asahel was as fleet-footed as a wild gazelle. He chased Amner, turning neither to the right nor to the left as he pursued him. Extremely fast, extremely stubborn, extremely persistent in a very bad way way. So what are the final lessons here? What are the final lessons here that we can learn today's message? Again, this is a very different message. First time doing a message like this in a Bible study manner. What can we learn from this Civil War story? From Ishbosheth, Abner versus David, and then the sons, right? Abishai, Joab, and Asahel. What can we learn the final lessons from this story. I have three points for us, and it's very short. Point number one is this. To be loyal is good, but to be godly is superior. To be loyal is good, but to be godly is superior. And you'll see that with David. Yes, these nephews were very loyal. You'll see them. They're loyal. They're extremely loyal to King David. They're with him in the cave of Adullam. They're with him through thick and thin. They're with him through his kingship. They become part of the three mighty men. They become the strong, gung-ho warriors. But they end up losing their godly character. David, on the other hand, he keeps his godliness. And he makes sure that his loyalty to God is superior above everything else. And we see it here all throughout. We see it in 2 Samuel chapter 3. When David and Joab, they meet, they have a peace treaty, and they said that they're going to handle this matter in a peaceful way. They have a meal together. And we also see it in chapter 4. The two brothers, Rechab and Banah, they came and they brought the head of Ishbosheth. Instead of David praising these men, what does he do? He shows godliness. He was a godly king. And when he heard and found out Joab had murdered Abner, 
what did he do? He says, tear your clothes and put on sackcloth. I have nothing to do with this, he says. I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord. I didn't kill Abner. You did, Joab. Even though you're my nephew, you did. You expect me to be loyal to you just because you're my family. But he says, I'm going to be loyal to God. And David shows that godliness is superior than any loyalty. We must be godly in our decisions. He says, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Ned. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and his whole family. He's talking about the brothers. May it fall on them. May Joab's family never be without someone who has a running sore or leprosy or who leads on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Meaning, I am innocent, my hands are innocent, my heart is innocent. The difference between the nephews and King David was that David was godly in his decisions. Point number one, to be loyal is good. But to be godly is superior. All the nephews, the sons, the three sons of Zuriah, they were loyal to King David. However, they were not godly, always like David. They were vengeful. They were hateful. They sought after revenge. Hence, they killed Abner. Joab does whatever he wants, and he kills Abner. And we see David's character over and over again, just like he did not kill Saul. When he had the chance to kill Saul, he shows godliness. Again, to be loyal is good, but to be godly is superior. Amen. Point two, to be persistent is good, but to be wise is superior. To be persistent is good, but to be wise is superior. And when I read this point, I'm reminded of Asahel, who died, the youngest, the foolish one. Asahel persistently pursuing after Abner. Even when Abner warned him a few times, do not chase me, do not chase me. Go after someone else, go after a young soldier, don't chase me. Don't put me in a position to hurt you. But Asahel persistently pursued after Abner. To be persistent is a worthy call only if it is for a worthy cause or a call. For a correct cause. Not all call, not all cause is worthy. It's not worthy of your life, of you losing your soul of you losing your life. For example, if it's for personal revenge, personal honor, and personal vengeance, it's not worthy. It's not worth it. Don't be persistent in seeking revenge because in the end, when you seek revenge, you'll bring about death. And that's what ended up happening. Murder after murder, everyone around ended up dying. And Asahel, was at the end of that stick. He died. And he died violently. Spear going through his stomach, through the back, and died instantly. To be persistent is good, but to be wise 
is superior. And last point here, number three. To be diplomatic is good, but to administer justice is superior. To be diplomatic is good, but to administer justice is superior. You know, a lot of people hate politicians because everything they do is they just talk. But I truly believe that there are men and women that God appointed for them to be in that position. And we should honor these men and women who are in that position. But sadly, a lot of the cases are where when justice needs to be done, uh, they cower away, they run away, and they don't have the courage to implement that justice. So to be diplomatic is good, but to administer justice is superior. And what do I mean by diplomatic? The definition is to make peaceful negotiations, peaceful methods to achieve peaceful settlements, to settle peaceful resolutions. We should always seek to make peaceful resolutions, no matter what. However, however there comes a time where we need to bring about justice and bring about discipline when it's needed as a leader. And that is the key. And bringing justice is superior than the diplomatic route. If not, it becomes a wild, wild west. No order, but it's that chaos. When we visited Portland and Oregon, what we saw in front of these stores, they allowed them to tent their tents in front of their stores. They could stay there day in, day out loot around and do whatever they want and there is no order criminals around shooting robbing stabbing homelessness camping in front of stores no accountability when there's no accountability when there is no justice done from the leaders people gravitate towards doing whatever they want and becomes a wild wild west lawlessness no law just chaos and destruction and you'll see the chaos that these men bring. I think David had a hard time controlling his nephews because they were too strong. He even says, what does he say? That they're too strong for me. Where's the reference of that? I can't find it, but, oh, I know, I know where it is. Okay, it's in chapter three. I think it's in chapter three. Yes, it says in the last verse, and today though I am the anointed king, he is the king, I am weak. And these sons of Zaria are too strong for me. They're too stubborn for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil deeds. Yes, he loved his nephews, but he knew what they were doing was wrong. And David was godly enough to be able to say that. Are you godly enough to say what your family member is doing is wrong? Are you able to have the true conviction, like David, to be able to see things clearly? Just because it's a family member doesn't mean they get an excuse. But David, he only went halfway. He didn't really do anything to bring punishment to Joab and Abishai. Oh man, the names are getting confusing now. <laughs> How are you guys doing? It's good? Yes? Understanding? Okay. Abishai, yes. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 12, 
So David gave an order to his men, and they killed them. They cut off their hands and feet and hung the bodies by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in Amner's tomb at Hebron. David brought about justice for Ishbosheth. But what was the justice for Amner? And sadly, you'll see David compromising a little bit here and there. Again, David is a man after God's own heart, but he's not perfect, right? He's a human being like us. He kills these two brothers, these individuals we see here, Rechab and Banah, but he doesn't do anything to Abishai and to Joab. And you'll see David, because eventually we're getting to that story now where David is going to compromise the sin that he's going to fall under. And you'll see that David, little by little, he always has a hard time administering justice to his family members. So again, going back to point number three, to be diplomatic is good, but to administer justice is superior. How was it? Were you guys able to understand? I know it was a lot, a lot of reading. It's very confusing. If you are, that's great. That's amazing. You guys are very smart, and you know you guys did an amazing job following through. So let this be a somewhat of a foundation. Uh, a lot of people just skip these sections. They just go straight into the later when they defeat the Philistines. They bring the Ark of God back, Uzzah touching, and we go straight to that. And then we go straight into David and Bathsheba, but I didn't want to skip this version so that we can become familiar with these characters because Joab is going to show up over and over again. Abishai will show up again, and you'll see and you'll be able to connect the dots. And the Bible is all about understanding. You need to be able to connect the dots. Amen? At the end of it all, the whole book of the Bible, it comes down and it points to who? Jesus Christ. So through the lineage of David, we see the Messiah, the true king, Jesus Christ, the king that we serve, that we worship every Sunday. He comes through that lineage, and he is, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. So God bless you guys. Let's just end this service. If I could invite the praise team to come up at this time. I know it's been a long week. I know it's been a long month. Maybe in a be a long year. But I just want to invite you here as you're in the house of the Lord to come humble and to come broken and to come hungry and thirsty before the Lord. At this time, before we go ahead and we sing this song together, I just want to invite you right now as you reflect upon today's message that godliness trumps over everything. Let us just go ahead and surrender our hearts before God at this time. Let's cast aside every distraction, every hindrance, and let's just look to the Lord and let's realign our hearts back with the heart of God and ask God to transform you and to change you from the end 
side out. Can we just take a moment right now, just in the whispers of our voices, let's just go ahead and pray. And let's just set the atmosphere of prayer and worship before our heavenly God at this time. Can we just pray together in the whispers of our own voices? Let us pray together.
Heavenly Father, may we be a church that ministers justice and are wise and godly in our decisions. I pray that we put you first no matter what. And I pray, Lord, that as we embark on this journey called life, this Christian life that is set apart and different from the world's life, Lord, I pray you would give us wisdom and godliness to navigate towards each and every single day to make the right decisions the best that we can through the power and the wisdom that comes from your power and from the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. I pray, God, you help us instill within us courage to overcome all the whispers and the lies of the enemy, that we will not succumb to the things of this world, but we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that our lives will align with you and you alone, O oh Lord. That each and every single day, every decision that we make, we will do it for the glory of the Lord. That God, that you are the King of glory. That you are our King. You are our Lord. And there is none, no one that can compare to your glory. So God, we humble ourselves to you today, this, this very morning. We humble ourselves. We submit ourselves to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And I pray that God, you continue to guide us. In this authentic Christian Christianity series, as you learn the story of David and his men and his kingdom, your kingdom, I pray you would give us wisdom to learn, to go in the right direction, to pursue you every single day, every single moment, that will seek your face with humility. Lord, we love you. In you, we find our rest. In you, we find our death. In you we find our all. And even in our emptiness, it all makes sense. For you are the giver and you are the one who takes. God, everything comes from you and from you alone. We love you. We honor you. We praise your name. We honor you today. Pray all these things in your precious son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.